Man, that's awesome, isn't it? Lord, teach them. Open their hearts and minds to the gospel. Pour out your mercy and grace on them. I'm going to get closer to you guys. We're, uh, our church, we're, we're spirit-filled. I almost gave a tongue and interpretation today. Thought I had them both. I was on the edge. I know some of you, I really have to teach on it more. But uh, Sister Linda was in, uh, if you don't know, intercession was on, or maybe other things too, but she's just interceding. If you're not aware of the Spirit, the Spirit can get a hold of you and move you powerfully. And I felt it this morning, uh, the Lord just vibrating on me down in Sunday school. And I really believe it's intercession for people. Marriages are being destroyed. Families are having issues that are hurting, and there's hurting people. And always the responsibility to preach the gospel to the lost, to see people saved. People are struggling in hundreds of ways, and we care in intercession. The Lord wants to pray through us, and I just feel like Linda really had a spirit of intercession on her and that passion that Jesus is coming soon. So that's the Spirit, and we all need to be filled with the Spirit. He'll move in different ways at different times, but sometimes that passion comes on you because Jesus is passionate for His church. He cares about your lost loved ones, your children. There is a heaven and hell. There is. Whether you want to believe that or not, there is a heaven and there is a hell, and people are going to spend eternity separated from God. I don't like it all the time. I don't, maybe I never like it, but it is a reality. Brian, would you put those pictures up before I start preaching? Okay, remember last week I told you, and I just wanted to show you, I'm not making this. Oh, and before I just, we'll go through them one at a time, but just wait a second. I wanted to apologize. Why are you apologizing? Because I, when I left, I felt like the Lord <laughs> kind of corrected me. I made this statement twice. Amy, I didn't make it once. I made it twice. I said, um, talking about lost people that don't know the Lord, and I said they were dumber than 6 o'clock. My family used to always say that, and I realized that's probably kind of crude. So please forgive me. That's good. I can do better. The Lord told me I can do better than that. Probably better to say, they're lost as a dog in high weeds. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. You know, they just really, people in the world, they're just blind. blind. They're in darkness. And I, I really was a crude way of saying it. Not everybody's raised in my family. You don't talk like us kittles. And I, I truly apologize. I thought that was a little crude. The Lord told me it was a little crude, so I apologize. But um, here's what I'm talking about. Go ahead and show how did, this was on. There's, there's two book tables. One was like little math book. This was a whole book table. Show the next one. A guide journal for manifesting your deepest desires. Well, I hope they're all sanctified. And that's kind of a Hindu, uh, little Hindu thing there. Candle magic for be. This is all for kids. Spells for abundance, love, and healing. Spells. Don't pray. Get a spell. I want that boy to love me. Abracadabra. He loves me. Okay. Celestial zodiac painting. I didn't even get a picture of all of them. Learn to paint the zodiac constellations. Of course, the Old Testament tells you if you do, you should be stoned. Say, thank God I'm not under law. I mean, it's still evil, though. 
and seasonal night skies. Is there another one? Is that it? No, there's a uh, tarot. Tarot cards, connecting your something, develop your intuition, live mindfully. Those are all new age buzzwords. This is one I thought was real, not cool. I can't think this one that was interesting. Mercury in retrograde and other ways and stars can teach you to live your, tr- live your truth, find your power, and hear your call to the universe and beyond. <laughs> little Buzz Lightyear right there next to it. Well, I'm telling you folks, this enticing the kids into witchcraft. Into witchcraft. That's what it is. And um, who would have seen it years ago? Who would believe it? And then uh, Jackie had that thing she shared with us, which was very apropos about their little witches. They want to train little witches. Well, you know, we have to train our children and warn them about these things, but we have this in the culture, and we're called to go out and be light in the midst of darkness. That stuff's not good. If you don't know that, that stuff is not good. You will, there is a spirit world, and you can connect to the Holy Spirit, or you can connect to other spirits. I know, I did that little Ouija board when I was little, and something happened. It scared me. It did. It scared me. Something happened on that thing. So don't get pulled into that, but that's our culture. I just wanted to show you I wasn't making this up. And then these other things, and I'm not going to it's not my sermon. I got something else I want to preach on, but it was talking about, they had one about kind of an LGBTQ thing and, you know, the Bible says it's wrong. I have seen the destruction. It, it wreaks havoc on people. We know in our own midst how it wreaks havoc on people's lives. It does. It's not, you say, well, I want to be loving and accepting. Well, you can't accept everything. Can you? You're going to accept adultery, pedophilia. There are lines. Isn't that true? We don't accept, you know, drunkenness, lying. Do we accept it? No, you don't accept everything. And there's something, here's why. If the truth will set you free, then a lie will put you in bondage. We're not mean people shaking our fists. That's originally what I was trying to get across two weeks ago. If anybody loves people, I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. It's Christians. We should. Amen? Yeah, but loving someone doesn't mean you agree. Okay, that's a lie from Hades. It's a lie. It's not true. You know you don't. They're very selective. Okay, if loving people means that we all agree on everything, well, I want Trump to be president. I like him. Just agree with me. Amen? Amen. Everybody. Don't disagree with me. I like him. It's not that way. It's very selective. We can agree to hate that man. You see what I'm saying? Are we all going to agree? You don't agree on No one agrees on everything. Christians are in agreement there's two things that put us in agreement, and, you know, I'm, maybe there's more answers than I could give. What are the two things that put us in agreement? Maybe there's more, but the, so you, what? Yes. The Word of God, right, and the Spirit. The, what's our scripture? 
What's it say? Study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the Word of God. We need the Holy Spirit in there, in our hearts. And by the way, if you're not coming to the marriage Sunday school, why aren't you coming? Why aren't you coming? It is really good. We're teaching about marriage in Sunday school, and it's really, really good. God, whether your husband is saved or your wife is saved, God can teach you through the Word about how to have a successful marriage. You think He can? It's in the Word, but it's also the Spirit of God. Are you and your husband or spouse always in agreement on everything? Well, you can find out. <laughs> Amen. That was quick. That was way quick. Um, but Sunday school, we're teaching about uh, marriage, and you need to come, you know, to learn. I hope you can. I know some of you can't, but I hope you come. All right. Father, bless me as I teach this word. Lord, I know this is it. This is what you gave me. You switched me up. And so just bless. And Lord, I pray for our hearing that we hear and our ears to hear and our hearts to understand. It's the Word and the Spirit. I got the Word. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit bringing power to what you want to reveal to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 23. I was going to teach out of something else, and man, I got up this morning, and I was just locked on this, like, Zhoof. preach on this, Brad. So it's for somebody. Yeah. You had a dream about the rapture about a month, month and a half ago. Amen. She's just bearing witness on what Linda and Ken said. Amen. Do you know you could die tomorrow and Jesus would return for you? You need to live ready. Amen? We don't have to wait for Jesus to come back. We need to be looking for him. You could die tomorrow and you better be, live ready. All right, chapter 23 of Matthew. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, sit in Moses' seat. So you should obey them and do everything they tell you but do not do what they do. Someone say, don't do what they do. For they say and they do not. They don't practice what they preach. Remember, Jesus is teaching Jews under the law, isn't he? He wouldn't teach them anything but to obey the law. They're all, they're, he's teaching Jews under the law. Everybody's talking to is Jewish. He was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's telling them, do what Moses says. Their problem is they say and they don't do. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move one. That's how you know, I don't say a Pharisee, that's how you know you're losing the way. You're an expert, you can tell everybody how they should live, but you're not helping anybody. Number one way to tell you you've lost your way. You'll tell them they're doing wrong. You'll tell them they're in sin. You're an expert, but you won't lift one finger. You should be crying. You should be weeping over people's sin. It should grieve your heart when young kids go off and do stuff that's going to destroy their life. It should grieve us. It's not a lecture point. It's not a Twitter tweet or a post. It's life and death. It's people are perishing. 
we want to lift fingers and hands, and we want to help people that are losing their way. Amen, Ethan? We want to help people. Everything they do, they do for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide. That's a tassel on their garments long. They love the places of honor at banquets, and they love the most important seats at the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces. They love to be called rabbi. But you must not be called rabbi, for you have one master and your brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he's in heaven. And don't be called teacher, for you have one teacher, and that is the Christ. The greatest among you, someone say this with me, will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Has anybody here ever been humbled by the Lord? Man, I have. I have. I must exalt myself a lot because I, more than once, I've been, and do you know, I am grateful when it happens. I'm grateful. When it's happening, it's not fun. It hurts. It's like you're, you're exposed. All of a sudden, you're exposed. Ah, I'm exposed. But then afterwards, it'll yield fruit if you yield to it and say, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll change. I'll be different. You'll be humbled, but whoever humbles himself, herself, will be exalted. And he goes on, and he talks about a, a bunch of woes. You could read the whole chapter, and I'm going to touch a few more thoughts in there. The problem with the, I'm just going to call them religious leaders, in Jesus' day wasn't necessarily what they were teaching. It was in their hypocrisy. Paul said that people would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power of it. They would deny that power that's in there. Later on, and I, in the verse, I think it's verse 28. In verse 28, Jesus says, everything they do, they do so people can see them. If they give, they give so people can see. If they fast, they fast so people can see. They want to be experts at the law. Paul said in Galatians, he said that, I think it's Galatians 6.12, he says they want to make a fair show in the flesh. It's an outward representation that they want to do. But Jesus says that true spirituality is not defined by whether you raise the dead or whether you do miracles. How many want to raise the dead? I do. How many want to see miracles? I do. But he said true spirituality is when you, when you have a heart to serve. In the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 27, Jesus said, I am among you as one that serves. I'm among you. I'm not looking to be exalted. I left heaven where I was king. I left heaven where I was worshipped, and I became a man on the earth, born in a manger, 
and I'm here to serve. And he said, if you want to be great, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Look beyond the person speaking and listen to this. If kids, young people, if you want to be great, who wants to be great? Nothing wrong with wanting to be great. Did you know that? Jesus was assuming you wanted to be great. He wouldn't tell you how to be great if he didn't want you to be great, right? He wants you to be great. Psalms 1, meditate in my word. I'm going to bless you, prosper in everything you do. Joshua 1, meditate in my word. I'll prosper you and bless you. Follow my ways. He wants you to be great. And he tells us the recipe of how to be great. He says, if you want to be great, become a servant. And man, we got some people in this church that you could look at as servants. Our dear brother Larry, I think every time I think about servants, I always think about Larry. His whole life is flavored with service. You just can't, someone's hurting and he challenges me. It could be, there was a man recently that passed away and he just failed so many times and in and out of church and in and out of drugs and in and out doing this and that. And Larry was always trying to help that guy. Never wrote him off. I mean, he knew what the guy was doing was wrong, but every time I'd be like, you know, Larry would challenge me. And uh, he's just always, anytime Larry's somewhere, he's serving. Is that, how many you has Larry talked to coming in and out of the door? How many, first time you were here, the person you remember was Larry? I mean, most, a lot of people tell me that. We've got great, my wife, Pam, you don't know how much she serves in this church. I do. She is a true servant. She serves me. She serves her kids. She serves her sister. She's a true servant. We got, I could just go on. Charlie, Ken. I could just go on the people that do things. And the, Brian, all the stuff that he does. And Menti, all the stuff they do. I could go on. I don't want to miss people. Fred Grace comes into our church once a month and serves on that meal. Now, you don't only serve. We think about service, and you think, you know, cleaning bathrooms, and that's a part of service. Working in nurseries, that's a part of service. But yielding up your life and serving Jesus is the huge part of service. When I'm here, I serve. From the moment I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God, and they told me I could serve, to me, Charlie, it was an honor and I don't want to be heavy. I, help me not to be, I don't want to be heavy today. It was an honor. I got to serve in children's ministry. I got to do outreach. I was so blessed. And everywhere I've went, I just like, you know, Lord, where can I serve? Any church, when, when I was following the Lord and I was being discipled, everywhere I went, it was an honor to me to serve. It's an honor to me to this day to serve. Because when we serve, we're not serving men, we're serving God. There's, I remember Dave, can, Jeff, what's his name? The guy, uh, Destiny's dad, Dave. Uh, he came in here and preached a great message about temple service, serving in the temple, rowing together. Waldo Marker Church, you wanna, we want to have a great church. Waldo Marker Great Church is great love. 
When you come in there and people love you, you don't feel judged, that people love you. They're coming in, they're interested in your life, they care about you. That'll mark a church. What'll destroy a church is people that want to criticize you, get on you, cause trouble. That'll destroy a church. And where that spirit of love is and unity together, I, I hate disunity. I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. There's no reason for spirit-filled people not to work things out ever. The spirit is in me. The spirit is in you. Right? The spirit is in me. The spirit is in you. Let's work this out. Come on. Let's work it out. Love, agape love, is the kind of love that the Father puts in us. It is our DNA, and it is by its very nature sacrificial. Someone say amen. amen. But on the other hand, and I've read this by many men of God, and, and on another hand, there is no sacrifice for love. Love, in, love loves. It knows no sacrifice. I've told the story about, you know, I've heard stories about men having a girlfriend. Maybe some of you did. And when you love, this is a natural love, but when you love that woman, you would drive two hours, three hours to go see her for an hour. How many men say that's true? Lie. If, you're not, if, you, if your wife's with you, <laughs> lie. Put your hand up. That's true. And, and, and I mentioned it before. You would spend all your money because love knows no sacrifice. It's when your love cools that instead of buying your wife what she wants, you buy yourself a new pair of sneakers. I pray for mine, Pammy. So even though love is sacrificial, it knows no sacrifice. In fact, love feeds on service. It feeds on it. It just, it's energized by it. It feeds on it. And you know, when, when, when people have that spirit of love, it's always the person that you look at them and they're saying, how can I help? How can I help? And we got them. We got them all over this church. I look out and I, how can I help? I'm always amazed when all of a sudden people come together and their attitude is, how can I help? The idea of these religious leaders was, you know, how can they be served? Or how can they appear to men to be spiritual? And I think preachers and teachers, above all people, have this temptation more than anybody. I know it's been a temptation for me. You want people to think you're spiritual, right? You want to be respected, right? And maybe you don't, but that's the temptation for a preacher. And what I noticed in this scripture, when I started going down through there, even though Jesus is talking to the Pharisees or the religious leaders of that day, He's talking to us all. He's talking to everybody. We always say, boy, I think, you know, the one parable goes, I thank God that I'm not like those sinners. Anybody? Yeah. I thank God I'm not like them, right? We're the opposite. The Pharisees, I thank God I'm not like one of those Pharisees. We just switch it sometimes. The race to exaltation in the kingdom is a race down. It's a race down. It's a race to find the lower place. 
Some people say, where does the anointing come from? It comes from going down. It doesn't come from exalting. You cannot be anointed exalting yourself. It's going down into service. And that service can be everybody has different gifts and different things that they're called to do. But the race up is the race. You want to be great? Lower yourself. Pam, can you bring my phone to me? I have a quote on there from Andrew Murray. I hope I can just... You know, we often think, I want to be like the... You know, we talked about it before. We want to be like superstars, but most of the superstars we want to be like, they're people that are being seen. There are so many unseen people in the kingdom doing things, giving offerings, serving in nurseries, going places that no one ever hears of them. They go, I know a lady in China that none of you probably ever heard of. She's given her whole life, left marriage, not a marriage, but the, the reality, she did not get married. She went and she served the Chinese. You wouldn't even know who she is. People that are laying down their life, we want that visible. I tell you, whose approval and satisfaction and joy you should seek is God's. Because if you have God's smile, you have everything. You got it all. You really do. And anything God wants you to do or calls you to do or has a plan, no man could ever stop what God has for you. No one could stop what God has for you. If your joy and your purpose is to please God... God, and you could just go through the scriptures, God took David out of the sheep coat. They tried to promote all of David's brothers, every one of them. How about him? How about him? How about her? No, not her. How about him? No, I want that guy that's singing songs to me in the night, that's worshiping me in the night and is serving his father, watching over the sheep. Where's he at? Where's that guy at? I'm going to anoint him, and he is going to be a giant killer. He is going to be a giant killer, and no weapon formed against him is going to prosper. I'll tell you who we should all be seeking to please. It's our Father in heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we follow him, we're going to be downwardly mobile. We're going to be trying to find the lower place in our attitude toward others. Jeff, you read this morning, it said, don't merely look out for your own interests, but also look out for the interests of others. Don't think that you're better than people. And I've struggled with that. My pride. You know, well, Lord, I fast and I pray and I witness and you, and I'm going to show you why I'm not any better than anybody. I'm going to prove it to you today. I'm going to show you why. And that's, that's the danger of being a good Christian, quote, unquote, I thank you, Lord, that I fast and I witness and I give and blah, blah, blah. You better not be calling that your righteousness. It is righteous acts. But the reason we do righteousness, and I'm going to show you, is because Jesus Christ has saved you. And if your works mean anything to God, it's because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, moving in you, and you are in relationship with Him. You're obeying Him. You're doing what He wants you to do. Someone say amen. amen. Otherwise, 
Paul said, you can do give to the poor, you can have your body be burned, you can do all this, and if you do not have agape love, guys, have a great time today. We'll see you next week. Praise the Lord. Love you both. Tell your boss. Amen. If you don't have agape love, you're nothing. You're nothing. All their works they do to be seen by man. Listen to this. This is by Andrew Murray. Brethren, here is the path to the higher life. Down, lower, down. This is what Jesus ever said to his disciples, disciples who were thinking of being great in the kingdom and sitting on his right and left hand. Seek not, ask not for exaltation. That is God's work. Look to it that you humble yourself and take the place before God and men as a servant. That's your job. Let that be your one purpose and your one prayer. God is faithful. Someone say God is faithful. Just as water ever seeks to fill the lowest place, so the moment God finds the creature, humanity, us, men and women, abased and empty, His glory and power flow to it to exalt it and to bless it. He that humbleth himself, that must be our one great care. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. That is God's care. That's God's job. By his mighty power and his great love, he will do it. And Charlie, that's what James says. That's what Peter says. That's what Jesus says. Your job is to humble yourself. I am amazed how many times I get it wrong, Talon. I mean, praying, thinking in my own mind, and, and uh, I'm just getting to the place where the Lord's just been at this a long time, and he's just like, sometimes I just need to bow before God and say, God, I don't know, help me. I, I'm, I really need your help. I'm wrong, especially when it deals with somebody else. I got to be very slow to anger. I got to be very slow to speak. I got to be very slow to wrath. When I jump, most of the times, I jump to conclusions. And I'm probably wrong most of the time. When I'm patient, when I wait, when I'm in the spirit, when my heart's tender, the truth will work itself out. not about me anyway. If you're really filled with God's love, look, oh, I could preach, Lord. If you are really secure, and I preach on identity all the time. I'm glad I pe- preached on repentance last week, because if you won't embrace your identity, then you need to repent. Embrace your identity, but if you won't, then repent. Amen? They're both good sermons. But if we really understand our identity and how much the Father loves us and the price that He paid for us, and we talked about in Sunday school, the fellowship He wants with us, the grace He will pour out on us. Folks, if you want a relationship with God and you want to hear God and you want God to talk to you and you want it, you can have it. He will talk to you tomorrow. You go in your prayer closet, you get on your knees and He will talk to you. I've had times I've been in agony, and I wake up, and I go to pray. I said, Lord, what's wrong? And zoof, he tells me, because I want to know. I want to know. 
Lord, tell me. And sometimes, you know, he just wakes me up to tell me he loves me. If we get secure in our relationship with God, if we know who God is, those that know their God will be strong and they'll do exploits. When you really don't need the approval of men, I'm learning it, I'm not there. I'm trying to get there. I am. I'm pressing into it. I want to get to the place where I don't, I'm going to tell you two testimonies, where I, I, I don't need to prove them. I don't need people to say, Brad, you're doing a good job. I want to get there because I know if I have God's approval and the word says I do, that's all I need. If I can just stand in the storm, if I can stand on the rock when the winds are blowing and the waves are coming, and I can stand and secure in my relationship to God, throw me into a tar pit, bury me in sand, you know, throw me out to the, well, in the Roman gladiator, whatever you're going to do it. If I can stand in the Lord, everything's going to be okay. Should I be so blessed to be a martyr? I will. But in my life, hitherto now, I've just been delivered when I do it. I just get delivered when I do it. And even when I miss it, I know that I, I want to do what's right. It's a powerful teaching, and, and I equate the book of Matthew, and I always, the Lord always throws me over into Galatians. It's weird that I would get thrown over to Galatians when I'm reading Matthew and the book of Romans about God's grace. And I really see, Mike, I really believe the Lord is teaching me and finally showing me. He's saying, Brad, this thing works by my grace. These guys are trying so hard. They want position. They want to be religious. They're trying, but everything they're doing is from the outside. Brad, I will give you everything that they're after. I'll give it to you if you'll humble yourself and receive my grace. I'll give you courage. Does not the word say I can do all things through? Through Christ. If you will learn this secret, if you will learn to humble yourself, I will give you everything you need for life and godliness. If you exalt me, if you put me first, if you honor me in all your ways, how many Bible promises say this? Seek me, Brad, I'll satisfy the desires of your heart. I'll be your joy. I'll be your peace. I'll be your provision. I'll be your healer. Amen. I'll be your healer. And those messages are coming. So he took me from this uh, Matthew, and I think it's uh, Jeff there in 23. Is it verse 33 where he talks about them being serpents? Can you tell me? Is it verse 30, Matthew 23, 33? He tells them they're serpents. Who's the chief serpent? Well, who's their father? He, already told, he told them in John they were of their father, the devil. So, because they hated their brother. They hated their brother. That's the devil. That's the devil. That's the devil, hating your brother. And then the scripture started rolling to me in Romans, and I, I'll go through this, and I, I can't go much further. He said, Brad, here's the lesson I want you to learn about religion and grace and faith. It comes out of Romans. He said... What shall we conclude then? This is Romans chapter 3. I think it's verse 8. It's awful small print. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? 
He's talking about people sinning, right? Not living for God. And he goes through, he even talks about the Jews. He's talking about the religious Jews. And he says, what shall we conclude? Are we in any better? He's not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. What does that mean to you when that, I'm asking, I want you to engage your thinking. What does that mean to you? Jews and Gentiles all alike are under sin. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? They're all under sin. He, he says in Galatians, everyone is a prisoner to sin. There's no one, nobody that's not a prisoner to sin. Everybody, tall, to, you know, tall, short, fat, skinny, Jewish, Gentile, all are under the power of sin. And he says, then he goes and he starts quoting the Old Testament. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is no one that seeks after God. They've all turned away. They've all become worthless. There is none who does good. No, not one. I'm looking around at everybody, and some of you are really, think you're, I don't know anything about you but good. I don't. All I know about you is good. Messy, I look at you. All I know about you is good. But he says, well, I have to believe the word. He says, apart from the Lord, he says, there's not anybody that's good. Not one. Boop, we're all equal. That's why the law comes in and convicts, shows us our sin. All Jesus did in Matthew was up the ante. He says, the law says this, I'm going to raise the bar. I'm going to raise the bar. You think you got the law down? How about this? Woof. Because he was after, I preached it a few weeks, he's after the heart. He's after the heart. Okay. Listen to this. Not even one. Their throats are an open grave. And actually, if you're a Christian, you should be shouting because you're in a little different camp. You should already know that. You're in a little different camp. Their tongues practice deceit. He says the poison of serpents or vipers or asp is under their lips. Remember... Matthew, he said, you are serpents. Didn't he say that? He said, they're serpents. He said, everybody, the poison of snakes is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are to, uh, swift to shed blood. And he got, goes on and he just keeps listing this thing. And down in verse 21, he says, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify the righteousness that comes from God through faith, faith in Jesus Christ to all that believe. For there is no difference. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace. Someone should say amen. amen. What this means to you is no matter how good you want to look on the outside, no matter how much you try, independent of God, no matter how much religious zeal and effort, and there's more scriptures, I wish I could, this way you got to come to Bible studies, we can go deeper. No matter how much you toil and spend, you are not going to walk righteously before God until you receive the grace of God and the gift of righteousness. And man, when you do, everything changes. It all changes. When you really get it and you understand what God has done for you, you don't have to toil and spend. 
You don't have to get people to, you can even be struggling in things, but you will know that God loves you and he cares for you. He's never going to fail you. He's never going to forsake you. He'll walk with you and walk with you and walk with you. He'll never leave you. It is uh, the ones that God opposes are the proud. He doesn't oppose those that say, Lord, help me. Ever. Never opposes those that say, Lord, help me. And as Christians, we are reaching out that hand of grace and saying, I want to help you. I got some good news. Jesus died for you. (laughs) He died for you. Your sins are gone. You can live righteously. You can have a new identity. You can really, and it all comes through faith, you can really believe that God loves you because he does. He's not holding anything against you. You're, You're the apple of his eye. He wants to bless you. You can learn to walk and talk with Jesus, and he will pour out his spirit on you when you do. Someone say amen. And here's what I'm learning. And it's so basic, but it's just so relational. So when I go in and I spend time riding with the Lord and I'm getting my instructions, I'm getting my strength, I'm downloading from the Lord. Lord, I was up this morning, the Lord talking to me. I'm, you know, just talking to the Lord, talking, wanting to, you know, know the Lord better. And the more we discover this, the more we can lean back Set down in God's grace and rest and become dependent on Him. Your condemnation comes from you if you're a Christian and you want to do right, but you're living in condemnation all the time. It comes because you are struggling in your flesh to please God and He's already pleased with you. He wants you to believe and enter into rest. This relationship, um, this relationship with the Lord, when we go and we're relating to Him, He pours out His Spirit on us, He writes His law in our heart, and He helps us. And if you're a Christian, He's already changed your nature, and that's who you really are. I'll give you my testimonies, and then I'll close. And it comes by grace. Now, me being a person that uh, I'm by far, I'm still growing and learning. You already know that. Talk about it. There's a long way I have to go. I want to know Jesus better. It's not about me crossing all my T's and dot. No, I want to know Jesus better. I want to express him better. I'm always looking to share Jesus. Now, what the Lord shows me, you know, is in life, Jesus is the perfect image of righteousness. And this image of righteousness is actually in you if you're a Christian. Jesus actually lives in you. And we can pursue the Lord until we become more and more like Jesus when we're in relationship with Him. It's staying connected to the vine. And I'll tell you, it's always forgiveness, forgiving others. It's always laying down your life. When you lay down your life, when you let go of your selfishness, the, the sap will flow right into you straight from Jesus. When you hold on, get bitter, angry, it stops. It stops. Not because you're not saved, not because God doesn't love you. It's not because His righteousness, you're shutting the door, you're shutting your heart. So get on your knees, find the low place, humble yourself, and that sap will just flow right into you. When you can grab your identity there, then when you're walking with the Lord, it's no longer Charlie 
or I'm going out and I'm just trying to slavishly please God. Someone say amen. I'm going to end. I'm landing. Some of you are like, praise the Lord. Jesus, come back now. I'm going to end. It's not that you're slavishly trying to please God. It's a love relationship. You love Jesus. And because you love Jesus, the more you love God vertical, the more you'll love people horizontal. Maybe I'll preach on 1 John 1 next time. The more you love God vertical, the more you'll love people horizontal. And the more of God's heart, you'll have more of God's heart for people. And you'll realize you're on a journey with God, and it really does become an adventure because you learn to trust God, even with your mistakes, your shortcomings. It's religion that puts you in that condemnation. You just set back, and you just honest, say, God, help. I, you know, help, Lord. I'm, you know, and you just want to please the Lord, and you, then you learn. This, now, this whole walk we have, I could preach for three hours on this stuff. I won't. Someone say amen. Someone say thank God. Preach. The more we lean back and learn this love relationship with God, the more life becomes an adventure. Even when your trials start to become an adventure, say, Lord, what is this trial going to do for me? What is going on? I got trials coming right and left. The word says we can praise God in the trial because he's working something in us far greater than the trial we're going through. So when we recede into ourself, pull into ourself, the trial kills us. When we fix our eyes on Jesus and understand that even in the trial, God has a far weightier glory for us than anything on this earth. And he's going to work in it. I had several opportunities to share Jesus. And it's so funny because when I get done sharing Christ, you know, and, and I, I'm at it. I'm after it. I'm after it. I'm not ashamed to say I'm after it. I want to share Jesus. Yeah, I think Jesus is awesome. I may not be great at it, but he's the answer. And when I get done, a lot of times the Lord will talk to me about it. I'll say, Lord, why did I, why did I not Thursday night, why didn't I pray for that guy's knees? Why didn't I do that, Lord? I talked to him about you. I told him, but why didn't I? And he says, because you're, you know, fear of man. He'll tell me. And he doesn't tell me in condemnation. He says, because you still want to please people. Say, Lord, get it out of me. Get it out of me. The next day, I prayed for a guy's hands. I walked over. My neighbor, I'm in trouble with his hands. I said, all right, Lord, we get another, another time at the plate. And I prayed with his hands. I don't always, but you'll be journeying with God. And life will become an adventure when you get to know Jesus and know that he is really going to talk with you and walk with you. Plus, all the burden of religion will leave your life. You won't be trying to pray 10 hours a day and do this, this, and so to please God. You'll just be in a relationship with God. And I, you know, I'm not going to overplay me and Pam, but it's like Pam and I loving each other. I'm, she doesn't wash the dishes and, and cook me food because she wants me to love her. I hope not. Amen? We're in a relationship. She loves me. I love her. We're trying to outdo one another, loving each other. It's fun. Jesus will outdo you loving you. Just set your love on him. Guys, and it is grace. But if you resist and reject 
the grace of God, what's left? That's another sermon. We got it. Can I quit right there? Is that good? Amen. One. I got one. Amen. Okay, I'm going to pray. We're different than the world. If you're saved, Jesus has wiped out your sins. He wants to walk with you and talk with you. Lay it down. Quit coming up with religious programs. Seek the Lord. Sometimes He is working in you to to give something up, to lay something down. Father, I pray for us, Lord. I I do. Man, I pray for us, Lord. I pray that we get it that your grace is enough. You have showered us with righteousness. You have poured out your spirit on us. And Lord, you're not a servile master. You're not loading us down. You're removing burdens from us. Our one task is the task that Mary had to worship you, to worship you, put you first in our life. That's it. That's That's the one thing, Lord to put you first, and everything flows out of that. I pray we get it, Lord, and I pray that we become downwardly mobile, Lord, in service, that we get it, that that love of God causes us to serve, husband serving the wife, wife serving the husband, worker serving their employer, the employer serving the worker. Love service. Say, Brother Brad, I need your prayer. Raise your hand. I want, I want to pray for you. Say, Brother Brad, I need your prayer. I see that hand. I, and I thought it was you. I see two hands. Brother, I thought it was you. I, when you're going to come up, we're going to pray. I actually, actually did. When we're done, I want you to come up. I want to pray with you, both you men. All right? All right. Father, in Jesus' name, bless your people. Amen. All right, see you next week. Mother's Day. <laughs>